0: some few years ago i was visited by a couple at my church and that was seeking some counseling they were passing through a very difficult situation as a family and as always i had first to establish if they were believers and they were they believed in christ for their salvation and they loved christ and as they poured out their hearts to me about their situation they mentioned how they had met other men of God who had told them that they needed to do more than believing in Christ for them to be delivered by God out of their situation. So they ended up asking me, Pastor, is there anything we are yet to do for us to be true Christians? One of the reasons why Apostle Paul wrote the letter to Colossians was to address the problem of false teachers in Colossi. While they are not identified by name, or their teaching specifically mentioned by name, but basing on the letter to Colossians, especially chapter 2, we see that these teachers thought that Jesus Christ is not sufficient for the Christian. They were teaching, yes, you have believed in Christ, that is good. But also you need, then they would say something. They would say maybe you need special knowledge. Maybe you need to worship angels. Or maybe you need to observe these days and, and festivals. Paul is going to mention that in chapter number 2 and chapter number 3. He's going to mention what these false teachers were teaching. So some Colossians started believing these false teachers. And in the process, they they became less excited about their faith in Christ and more excited in other things. So Paul writes to address this false teaching. And beginning from verse 15 of chapter number 1, he addresses the heresy by highlighting the supremacy of Jesus Christ. And by doing so, he shows the Colossians and us that Christ is all we need. Christ should be our all. You know, so this evening, with the help of the Lord, I would like us to look at our passage under the title, The Supremacy of Christ. The Supremacy of Christ, and we're going to look at three points. First, supreme in being. Second, supreme in creation. And third, supreme in the church. Supreme in being, supreme in creation, and supreme in the church. First, supreme in being. And we see that in verse 15. Apostle Paul writes, he, Jesus Christ, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Paul, in this verse, tells us that Jesus is God. The word image here can also be translated as the exact representation of God, as as other versions have translated it. Jesus is God. And that's where Paul begins. When you are tempted to feel like, well, Jesus is not enough for me, remember, he is God. Apostle John writes in John chapter number 1, verse 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And in verse 14, he goes on, In the beginning was was the Word, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And in verse 18, he goes on to say, no one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the right at the Father's side, he has made him known. That Jesus Christ has made God known to us because he is God. That's what Paul reminds us first. And second, he reminds us and says, well, this Jesus Christ is the firstborn of all creation. Now, this is one of misunderstood phrases in the bible what does Paul mean by the firstborn of all creation some of you you might be familiar with the nicene creed uh, this was written by a gathering of church leaders pastors in nicaea modern-day turkey one of the pastors in the area church by the name of bishop Arias, when he came to this passage when he came to this verse he understood it as teaching that Jesus was created by God the Father. He says, firstborn of all creation. Oh, it means that Jesus was the first to be created. So he began teaching that Jesus is not God, Jesus was created by God first. So the church gathered at Nicaea in three hundred twenty five AD to examine what Arius was teaching. And the church condemned his teaching as heresy and expelled him from the church. The gathering then wrote the Nicene Creed to remind the church of the biblical teaching that Jesus is true a God and true a man. And in the Nicene Creed, part of it we read, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father. That Jesus Christ is very God, very God. Not made, he's of one substance with the Father. There is only one God in three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Not three gods, but one God in three persons. And that's what Paul here is reminding us. But as you know, as false teachers who always have followers, areas to you, has followers today. There are people out there who teach that Jesus was created by God and that Jesus is not God. But Paul reminds here that he's God. Now, what does Paul mean when he says firstborn of all creation? The word is not used in chronological sense, meaning that God created Jesus first and then created everything else. That's not the way the word is used here. Here. However, as Paul uses the word here, it means highest standing in rank or honor. For example, in Exodus chapter number 4, verse 22, Israel is called the firstborn nation. This does not mean that Israel as a nation was the first to be created. It only means that God elevated it to the highest standing before him. Also in Psalm 89, verse 27, in reference to the Messiah, we read, I will make him the firstborn, the highest of the kings of the earth. This, again, does not mean that the Messiah will be the first king, but that he was going to be the highest king in rank and honor. And that's what Paul is teaching us here. That Christ has highest standing, highest rank and honor. But also it doesn't make sense that in the same verse 15, Paul, we say, well, Jesus is the image of the invisible God. That Jesus is God. And then he say, oh, by the way, he's also created by God. It doesn't make sense. In the same verse. So it's clear here, Paul is reminding us of the supremacy of Christ in his being that he is God and is of highest rank and honor. So, friends, as you struggle in your life, whatever it is that you might wrestle with in your life, remember Christ is sufficient because he's God. As David Strain, some of you know him, writes, than Jesus, there is no greater Uh, beyond him There is no one to whom we must turn to. We must turn to Jesus Christ. When you have Jesus, you have God, and you have the base. He is supreme. Because Jesus is supreme, his work is sufficient. Later on, Apostle Paul is going to explain that Jesus as God, he alone is able to sustain the creation, and he alone is able to save us. So Jesus is supreme in being. Second here, we do not only see that Jesus Christ is supreme in being, second we see that Jesus is supreme in creation, supreme in creation, and we see that in verses 16 up to verse 17. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him and is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Christ is supreme in creation because he made it and sustains it. In verse 16, we see that the entire creation was made by Christ. And notice how Paul describes the creation of Christ. In verse 16, For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. Everything in the world that we are going to see, even the spiritual world, was created by Jesus Christ. Whether visible, those we can see with our eyes, those we cannot see, the spiritual realm, Everything that was in there is in there was created by Jesus Christ. One of the first teachings that they, uh, the uh, the first teachers at Colosse were boasting about was that they they could connect with angels. So when you read in chapter two, verse eighteen, they say, "Well, we worship angels." We are able, so I, uh, we don't know exactly what that means, whether they say that they would actually worship the actual angels and bow down to them, or as they are worshiping angels who join them, we do not know exactly what was going on. But that's what they were boasting. We have a deeper connection with angels, and they will come to someone, well, are you able to connect with angels? Noah, then you're a second-class Christian. For you to be a first-class Christian, you need to be able to worship angels. And Paul here responds, even those angels that you are boasting of were created by Jesus Christ. They were created by Jesus Christ. They are Christ's own creation. And friends, you might meet some people today who say that they are Christians and boast of their special powers to connect uh, with the supernatural world or the, to the spiritual world and make you feel like you're a second-class Christian. Very common in my country. Um, you know, uh, one of my cousins was teasing me say, well, you know, your church is growing slowly You know why? Because you don't have special powers uh, To perform miracles To tell people what's going on in their lives If you were able to do that, this church would have grown It would have been full That's what is going on And you might have it here too People boasting of their special powers And even boasting that these special powers are able to do some things that Christ is not able to do. That's very sad. And this family that I was referring to, that's what they had been taught. They had been going through a difficult situation. And they had been called, well, demons are controlling you. But we are Christians. No, 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 no. Yes, you believe in Christ, but you need special powers. And when they came to me and when I sat down with them and looking, it was just mistakes that they made, poor decisions, and wise decisions that they made that led them to this situation. Not necessarily the evil forces. But even if evil forces are there, as Martin Luther said, even though this world should be filled with demons who will not fear for God has willed his truth to triumph through us, who will not fear because even those demons are Christ's own demons. Christ controls them. They're under his authority. And in Christ, all things hold together. So my friend, don't buy into that lie. If you have Christ, you have everything. Because even the supernatural world was created by Christ. And the supremacy of Christ is also seen in that he sustains the creation. He sustains the creation, and we we see that in verse 17. It says, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Everything else hold together in Christ. Well, if Christ was not to hold things together, everything would integrate into chaos. There is order in the universe. Because Christ holds all things together. It's not just by an accident. So this, this evening we are here, we are sure that night is coming. And when night comes, we are sure that morning is going to come. And another day is going to come. Why? Because Christ holds all things together. He's the one sustaining the creation. Um, Pastor Andrew was telling me when I was coming, he warned me, he said, well, bring a sweater because uh, it's getting cold here. And I brought my sweater. I don't need it. I haven't used it yet. What is happening? Christ is holding his creation together, and he alone decides. He changes the seasons as he wills because he holds the creation together. So, dear Christian, your Savior is the one who sustains the universe. So don't be afraid. Don't be anxious. He holds all things together. And here I'm reminded of that beautiful Afro-American children's song. he got the whole world in his hands. He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the, the wind and the rain in his hands. He's got the little tiny baby in his hands. He's got you and me, brother, in his hands. He got you and me, sister, in his hands. He's got everybody in his hands. Christ holds all things together. We are in his hands, safe and secure in the hands of Christ. Christ sustains the creation with his hand. If Christ was not to do that, would go back to Genesis 1, verse 1. The earth was without form. And void. But Christ was there. Praise the Lord for the sustaining power of Christ. And here in our passage, we do not only see that Christ is supreme in being and supreme in creation. Lastly, we see that Christ is supreme in the church. He's supreme in the church. We see that in verse 18. And he is the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. Just as Christ is the head of creation, Jesus is also the head of the new creation, the church. Jesus is the head of the church, which is his body, as Paul tells us. And Paul goes on to describe Christ as the beginning of the church as well. He's not only the head, he's also the beginning of the church. He's the source. You take away Christ, you have no church. You have no Christianity. Christ is the source. He's the head of the church and the church begins from him. Without Christ, no you and me in the faith, but lost in our sins. But Christ is the head of the church. And Paul further describes Christ as the firstborn from the dead. Again, as we just saw in verse 15, this does not mean that Jesus was the first to rise from the dead. Uh, We know Lazarus rose from the dead as well, but also in Matthew uh, chapter 27, verse 52, uh, Matthew tells us that when Christ died, some saints were raised from their graves. So here, again, Paul is not meaning that Christ is the first one to rise from the dead of all people. What this means is that of all who have risen from the dead, Christ is the preeminent one. The highest in rank, the highest in honor is Jesus Christ. So Paul is saying to the Colossians and us, of course, Christ is supreme in the church. So do not let anyone draw you away from him by deceiving you that he's not sufficient or that you need more than Christ. You don't need more than Christ. Christ alone, sufficient. He's all you need. He's all I need. And the promise of Christ in the church means a lot for us as Christians. It means a lot. And let me highlight two. First, as the head of the church, it means that all our affections should be directed to him. We should love him for our heart, as the head of the church, as the source of our lives, as the one who is sustaining us. All our affections should be directed. We should love him above all things. He alone should be the desire of our hearts. As the psalmist said, heaven and earth has nothing that I desire apart from God, apart from Jesus Christ. You can give me everything, but without Christ, that's nothing. Give me Christ, and I have all. That's what it means. We should love him. Second, as the head of the church, it means that he alone deserves our full obedience. And how do we obey? By doing his word. By doing his word. He reveals his will to us through the Bible, and when when we obey his word, we obey him as the head. We also obey Christ when we submit to God's leadership in his church. He appoints men to serve as leaders under his headship. Pastors and elders are not the head of the church. They are under the head, Jesus Christ. And they have dedicated authority under Christ. And as we love and support and encourage them, we love and support Christ. As we respect them, we respect Christ as long as they lead us according to God's word. So Jesus is supreme in creation and in the church and in his being, and that means that Jesus must have a first place in every area of our lives, friends. Let him take first place in everything, first place in our families, first place in our marriages, first place in our professions, first place in our worship as a church, first place in our ministries as a church. We are to give him first place in everything because Christ is spring. So, dear Christian, rejoice and be confident knowing that Christ is all you need. Christ is all I need. Do not let anyone come to you and say, yes, Christ plus this is heresy. It's not from God. It's from the pit of hell. Run as fast as you can because Christ is sufficient. He's our all in all. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we, we thank you for this evening. Lord, help us to love Christ. The one who came down, died for unworthy people like us, sinners, that he might make us his people. And here, Lord, you have helped us and you have reminded us how supreme he is. He is God. He's the one who created all things and he's the one who is holding all things. But also he's the head of the church. He's the source of of all of us who believe in him. May you help us to love him more and more. Help us, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.